Why, hey there. My name is Darcy Jeremy. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Ergonomics podcast. Today, we are talking about stretching and ergonomics. As an ergonomics professional, is this something that you commonly recommend? Maybe you've never recommended it before. Well, my friends, this is going to be an episode where I'm going to be sharing some facts, strategies, and best practices about how we should be approaching stretching with ergonomics. Let's dive into this right now. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. What I do in my programs and when I do consulting, my foundation is what I like to call high-impact, low-cost solutions. Now, here's the curveball with stretching. Many would say that stretching is a low-cost solution, but my friends, is stretching high-impact? From my experience, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, And that's a pun. Yes, you can laugh, especially if it's done on its own. Sort of like a silver bullet. Many employers think that, hey, we have stretching, we've covered ergonomics. But in today's world, is that necessarily true? I'm going to be diving into the world of stretching and whether or not looking at literature and statistics, it can give us a clear answer if we as professionals should be recommending stretching as part of our ergonomics interventions. So let's do this. And the first thing I want to do is talk about indirect costs. And, um, you know, stretching is low cost. Most of the time, it doesn't need or require direct costs. Maybe from someone from health and safety or human resources is going to whip together some stretching and show everybody. But let's talk about what these things actually mean. So a direct cost is something that directly goes into producing goods or providing services, while indirect costs are general expenses that are required to keep you operating. And here's the trick. If an organization doesn't pay for an expert to come in and teach stretching, they do pay, however, for their employees' time to stretch, and they obviously would directly pay if there is any sort of liability or ineffectiveness that would impact the rest of the program or their employees' health and wellness. So if the program's not bringing in the desired results, or this is the worst case right here, or if someone gets injured as a result of a stretching program. And let's face it, if they get injured at work, that would be a workers' compensation claim. I'm going to be bringing up this idea of high impact, low cost. And in this sort of mind, we need to ensure that we are measuring the implementation of the intervention in order to ensure we are recommending the most high impact, low cost solution. And in this case, maybe it's not a really good use of time. Maybe we should be using our attention elsewhere 
in that organization. On a side note, I have a question for you. As a consultant, have you ever seen a long-term employer employer-supported stretching program? And I like to share my insights on this, obviously. And I've been in the industry for more than 15 years. And um, I've also have a pretty big network of ergonomics consultant friends. And I suppose that the intention in this whole thing is correct. Like we want to help our employees from that employer mindset. But I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I have never seen a long-term stretching program in any organization that is done from the grassroots. Whatever stretching component will have to be measured um, or and implemented, at least from management control. And if there's not management control or management implementation, that's a tongue twister, then the results will fizzle out. Um, and I want to talk about like the what we'll be measuring in terms of the effectiveness. And that itself is pretty tricky. We're going to dive into that in just a few minutes. The first thing I want to talk about is the NIOSH. And um, this is what the definition of ergonomics has to do with. And the NIOSH is uh, NIOSH. It doesn't need the in front of it. It's the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. They are legitimately the gold standard for so many things about ergonomics. You've probably used their lifting equation for many years like me. Now, to give us some direction in this whole crazy world of stretching, there is a definition that NIOSH provides about the definition of ergonomics. And they define it as a science of fitting workplace conditions and job demands to the capabilities of the working population. Whereas stretching is not a change to the workplace conditions or even the job demands, it's a change to the worker. Already we're seeing that this is not in alignment. Now, I want to get into the benefits of stretching. Some of the benefits can include, and these are usually quite difficult to measure, I know from experience, stretching can help morale, can give better flexibility about the joint, improve the range of motion for that person, perhaps it's less stress, maybe even less stiffness and fewer muscle aches. But are these more nice to have rather than a measured approach to preventing workplace injuries in that do these actually cause more harm than good and not as large as an impact? Let's look at what's recommended for professional athletes for contrast. I mean, it's recommended for them to stretch, right? Well, you'll be as shocked as I was when I found out that the results of stretching on athletes' performance is not what we thought. And there's a lot of literature that points to the fact that it leads to negative outcomes. 
shocking, absolutely shocking. And you guys are professional, seasoned professionals, and you would expect literature to support this case, right? And I'm going to be doing just that. We are going to be talking about some numbers here in the the next section. For me to do this, you need to go to a place to find out where all this literature is going to be. So in the description below this podcast, there is going to be a blog post. And in that blog post, I'm going to have a list of references that you can check out yourself about what I'm saying in terms of statistics and literature so you can make your own decisions about whether or not you want to include stretching as part of your ergonomics program going forward. Does it sound like a good deal? Awesome. So first of all, I want to talk about some research with uh, Goggins from 2008. He shows that engineering controls, so obviously we know what engineering controls are. They're changes to the physical aspect of the working environment. These are usually high impact, low cost or moderate cost, and they were found to be much more cost effective between 40 and 100% than controls that rely on simply behaviors to reduce musculoskeletal disorder numbers, incident rates, lost workdays, and workers' compensation costs. Yeah. Here's something new, or something new to consider. The overall research says that while stretching can benefit personal wellness and fitness, The research clearly identifies stretching is not effective at preventing musculoskeletal disorders. There's evidence with multiple studies on the effectiveness of workplace stretching programs to reduce musculoskeletal disorders, and these are tending to be inconclusive at best. One research article identified that 90% of common office ergonomic stretching exercises could aggravate pre-existing conditions. One study concluded that while research does support that stretching improves flexibility and range of motion, in addition to self-worth, Stretching alone might not prevent work-related musculoskeletal disorders and injury. Now, you might be wondering what I do when I do my own ergonomics assessments or when I teach my students in any of my programs. And um, the really cool thing about what I do is that I have all these students come in with all these different levels of expertise of healthcare professionalism. So whether they're PTs or OTs or massage therapists or kinesiologists, I I have all these people coming into my programs. Now, my whole framework with this is that, first of all, we have to focus on high impact, low cost solutions. So that obviously means we have to focus on engineering out the ergonomic risk. That's our primary solution. And that should be the priority too. I think there is value of combining perhaps someone's expertise in stretching or other behavioral solutions with an engineering solution. That's the only way that any of this is going to hold water and for someone to have lasting results. And saying that, 
if we're relying on that person to do stretching or other behavioral controls by themselves, in all likelihood, that's going to mean that whatever we recommend is going to be not effective. People aren't going to remember to do this in the long haul because they're everyone's busy. We have busy jobs. We have busy lives. And what tends to happen in my experience, the behavioral solutions that depend on that person remembering to do something will always fall away first. And that's why implementing solutions that focus on how that work is arranged or how it's set up will lead to better results. And if you can follow this strategy, you will probably have really fantastic results for your employers that you're working with. You're combining your expertise with the framework to do an effective ergonomic strategy. And I think that part makes ergonomics quite niche and unique when it comes to professions because we're combining all these things together. However, my disclaimer is that we really have to follow the framework of what NIOSH recommends ergonomics is. So we're looking at changing the workplace and not changing the employee, like technically stretching does. Alrighty, so I'm gonna leave it on this. I hope that it brought some value in how you consider making the recommendations that you do when you do ergonomics assessments. If you, um, if you want to learn more about what I offer, check out my website. And if you want to be in the know when I drop a new podcast episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button and I'm going to fill you in and I'm going to bring you the results that you know I will bring. Until next time, everybody, it's always a pleasure to chat with you and I'll talk to you soon. So if you like what you heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo and you can get started today.